I love the Lord this morning. Um, I titled this message when I sent the notes to Heather to Built Right, and this morning I decided I want to change my title to Built to Serve. So scratch through right and, and put Built to Serve in your notes if you have them in your lap. Pastor Jeremy was slated, scheduled, to preach this morning, and I know that all of you that really just had your mindset for a handsome Latino on the platform, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more than you bargained for. So uh, I'm, I'm not the Latino, but I'm all that and then some. Uh, I'm, uh, he, he had a couple of things this week that just really were pulling on him, and uh, he said, you know, I'd really appreciate it if I could hand this one off to you, Pastor. And that's why we're a team. And so if you're disappointed this morning, please uh, forgive. Um, he'll be back in the pulpit. Uh, but we wanted to come alongside and just help him to be able to focus on the things that were, he was dealing with in his life and uh, be able to just jump in and conclude this series called Serve that Pastor Haley did such a phenomenal job starting Amen. two weeks ago. I just tell you, I can't, can't say it enough. I love this team. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has brought us here. Put your hands together and give, him, give the Lord praise. Let me, before I get started, let me just go ahead and get the commercial out of the way. There is a, has been a card in your seat. I think this one is probably still there this morning for you to have an opportunity. Now, remember last Sunday I sent you home and I said, pray about what team you'd like to be on. And um, we actually met. We were all excited because Haley got 28 signups. Now, I only got 10 last Sunday, but I guess what? I came back because I can get some more now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat her. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, no, not really. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. uh, these are a couple of things that you might be able to uh, check out. We do what we call a first serve here at Victory, which is kind of a trial run. Uh, just sort of a short commitment. If you don't like it, then you can go, you know what, this is not for me. I want to plug in somewhere else. And we all understand that. Nobody's upset around here. If you don't feel that you're a fit for, for one team, but you know that you're a part of this larger team of victory, then we want to encourage you to jump in and just try, try some things out and help us. But get involved somewhere. Don't just spectate. Everybody say participate. Because it's important. Now, next Sunday, we'll be receiving our miracle offering and what we wanted to do was give you a reporting of how we spent last year's miracle offering. So that's in the middle of your message notes is the 2016 miracle offering allocations. That's where we spent all of that $20,500 that we received. And you can see Share the Love, First Responders, the Memorial Day Cookout, World Changers, so on and so forth. All of that is listed there. We want to be accountable to show you that when we, when we receive funds like this, like next Sunday, everything that comes in next Sunday will go toward our outreach. Let me just say we've limited it this year to the first 25000 will go to outreach. After that, and we are really trusting God. We want you to just pray. When there's no pressure. We want you to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you sacrificially give because everything over $25,000 we are going to apply toward our new building. Okay, And next Sunday we're going to be showing you newly revised floor plans and elevations and uh, they're actually two weeks into the six-week engineering process of the new floor plan. We had to do a little bit of reduction because it was coming in at $4.5 million, and we reduced it to $3.4 million, and then down to $3.1 million. And so we just need to keep, we kept going. And we had to, to give up a little bit of probably of what was some fluff as some square footage. 
And uh, so we did a complete redesign trying to get this thing in budget because we don't want to bite off more that we can chew and then call it faith. How many of you know wisdom is not an enemy to faith? Wisdom is a partner to faith. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't know where that came from. I just got that right then. Wisdom is not an enemy to faith. And sometimes folk think, you know, that, uh, that, that it's always just about jumping out and pushing it as far as you can. And sometimes that is not faith. It's presumption. It's just presuming on the Lord. And um, so we're very excited about the season that we're in. We'll be announcing our, our groundbreaking. Uh, it's literally just a, just a very short few weeks around the corner. So it's a wonderful season for us to be in. I'm going to be starting a new series next Sunday that I'll preach through all of those. Uh, March, April, and probably a good part of May. I'm looking at potentially a 10 to 12 week series. That's kind of still up in the air. But it will be the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And the, the Nehemiah, the prophet, is a builder. And I encourage you to come next Sunday if you need God to build something in your life, maybe a broken relationship or maybe fragmented emotions. Uh, God is the rebuilder of broken personalities of people, emotional hurt and wounds. He is, he is the rebuilder of society in order to provide the kind of protection where God is the center and his law is written on the tablets of our heart and where we see his blessing and his provision and his protection over us as a people, not only as the holy nation, the church, but as the nation in which we live, not to become hyper-nationalistic, but I am a patriot. I am thankful that I am an American. Though I'm a Christian before I'm an American, I'm thankful that I'm an American. Somebody, you go ahead and put your hands together and give the Lord praise. God bless America. Somebody say amen. If he blesses America the way I know that he would like to bless America, then America has the heart. Anytime you see a tragedy around the world, our folks are always there first. Red Cross, offerings, sacrificing time, talent, treasure to be able to meet the needs of some people group that have gone through a tragedy, whether it's a tsunami or an earthquake or a volcanic eruption or a, or a mudslide or a, or a fire devastating an area, whatever. You can go on and on and on and on. Disease ravaging a country. Um, we're, we're there. And so it's not wrong to think about us to say, God bless us so we can bless the rest of the world. Are, are you following me this morning? All right. So I want to go ahead and jump in. Um, I, I have some ground to cover today. And I don't want to take a lot of time on trying to introduce this. So I'm just going to go ahead and give us the text today. The text is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to let you stay seated. And so built right is built to serve. We are, we're, we're built right because God is building us as a people. But we are built. There God, They changed it. That's awesome. You guys in the media, give the media group a hand. Come on. They're so good. They're wonderful. Built to serve. Okay, here we go. This is our text this morning. I'm reading from the message. This is the translation that I've gone back to do the read-through this year. I did the New Living Translation last year, and so the message is just fresh to me again. It's kind of jumping off the page at me. Listen, 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Welcome to the living stone. Everybody say Jesus. The source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve, everybody say serve, 
in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives up to God. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust him... All right, I just got a message from Brennan. Is my translation with this one? Because I'm just reading. Maybe I should turn and read here. To you who trust him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, the stone the workman threw out is now the chief foundation stone. <clears throat> For the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over. Everybody say offense. Jesus is called a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. That's what the cross is. It's the greatest offensive uh, tool in the kingdom of God. You, you, you fall at the, at the cross because it's offensive to our humanistic minds that tell us that we can do everything in our own strength and our own power and our own innovation and our own ingenuity. And it's the cross that breaks that and says, nope, apart from him we are nothing. Okay. Uh, for the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey just as predicted. But you, everybody say, but you. I love the buts in Scripture. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. I love the interjections, but. <laughs> it's just one of those that after you're already in, you can't, come, you can't, you, you can't straighten it out. I love, I love the scriptural usage of the word but. Okay, thank you, all right? Uh, but in so many times we find locations where it's describing the, 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 the rough indication of where we are apart from Christ, and then all of a sudden you'll see but, but God, okay? Now this is a but you because of what God has done. Everybody say, but you. All right, here we go. But you are the chosen ones by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly worth, work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Come on, put your hands together. That's beautiful. Now, if any of that rings in you, let me just reacquaint you with what the old, let me tell you what King Jimmy said. The King James Version says it this way, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everybody say, out of, into. Remember I taught you a few weeks ago that those are the tenses of redemption. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, took them into the promised land. But between the out of and the into, there was a through that we had to go through. The whole month of January, we preached a message called through. And that God's going through it with you. In the storm, Jesus got in the boat and went through it with the disciples. And so out of darkness into his marvelous light, out of sin and into salvation, being delivered, set free, completely uh, made whole. Hallelujah. So this morning, we're, we're looking at the fact that God is building something. And this is the one thing that I want you to see. Say this part with me. The one thing. Everybody, here we go. God is a builder and he's building a house for himself. And I want you to understand that you are that house. 
Say the one thing one more time. God is a builder and he's building a house for himself. Now look at your neighbor and say, and you are that house. Now, you individually are the house of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.16, know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. For as God has said, I will dwell in them. 2 Corinthians 6.16.17, I, I, I will dwell in them and walk in, walk in them. They, I will be their God and they will be my people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us as the temple of God, Ephesians 2. It's all over the New Testament that it's not a building, it's not a physical geographical location, but the building of God, the house of God, the temple of God, the dwelling of God is a people. It's a many-membered, multinational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, diverse group of people that it's an amazing um, tapestry. It's, it's Granny's Crazy Quilt. Let me, let me just talk Southern to you right now. Tapestry's a little bit too out there. It's a little bit too elevated, a little too uh, intelligentsia for all of us Southern folk. It, it's Granny's Crazy Quilt is what it is. It's her sewing all those fabrics together and, and, and that really would not have anything to do with each other. But when Granny finished with that double wedding ring quilt with all of those different fabrics, it became a piece of artwork. It's beautiful. I have one of those, and uh, uh, it, it's an re exact representation of what I'm talking about. It's this amazing, diverse uh, bunch of different kinds of cloths, but when it's put together, it's a beautiful piece of art. Uh, and, and that's what the body of Christ is. That's who you are. You are God's house. You are God's dwelling place. We're going to start a series next week in a Nehemiah called Arise and Build, and it's going to be a little bit to deal with the fact that we're going to get in a building that we've been looking for for years, but really the focus has never been about bricks and mortar. The, the focus at Victory has always been about building people for the kingdom of God. Everybody say, building people. Number one, God has an amazing set of plans. How many of you agree with that? God has an amazing set of plans. Uh, we, we, we begin our lives together as young couples and we have a, a, a great vision for the future and we make plans and, and, and sometimes we're actually able to see a realization of all of those. Many times there are adjustments along the way. But I want you to know that God has an amazing set of plans. Exodus chapter 25 verse 40. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. My personal devotional time has been smack dab in the middle of the Gospel of Mark and the Old Testament book of Exodus. And so it's interesting that in this serve series that I've been in Mark, which is all about the, the servant of servants, which is the whole spirit, the essence of Mark, is that Jesus is the ox. He is, he is the God-man who got up underneath the weight of the sin of the world and carried that and became the sacrifice for us. And then Exodus shows us God taking a people for himself out of Egypt and establishing them as his covenant people and then showing them how to build a place where he wants to come and dwell among them. Now the place that he's building here is a natural, physical, movable, um, what's the word, portable, portable tent called the Tabernacle of Moses. And God has some very specific instructions. And if you've ever had the pleasure of reading through the book of Exodus, it can get tedious, not as tedious as Leviticus. If you're having trouble sleeping and you're an insomniac, then take out the book of Exodus 
and read two chapters, and before you get through the second, you'll, you'll wake up about six hours later. Uh, I, I, that's just the truth. Now, I love Exodus because I see all the, the hidden gems that are there, but just to the average person opening the book, it just is so tedious about all the offerings. But God was particular. He had a way that he wanted it built. How many of you have ever, ever had or been involved with or maybe had someone, a friend, that built a house? Uh, people say that that probably can end a marriage quicker than almost anything else is because of the pressure you go through. Aunt Pat is clapping over there um, because of all the stuff that you go through trying to build the house because you want it built right. It's important that it, the foundation is laid properly. It's got to be framed correctly. It has to be square. It has to be plumb. Uh, it, it, everything needs to be right in its precise, specific place or doors won't open correctly. Um, all of these problems come because, you know, folks can put a good finish on it, but if it's not framed right and the foundation's not solid, then the, then the finishes are all going to crack and the house will fall down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The important part of the house are the parts you can't even see when you walk into it. And so God is particular. He says it over and over and over and over and over. And when you read through Exodus, he says it so many times to Moses. Now you be sure and you build this according to the pattern exactly like I showed you when you came up on the mountain and I met with you. Now how many of you know when God shows up in your life and gives you a glimpse of what your future is, it's important that you carry out what he said you're supposed to do. Look at your neighbor and say, don't vary from it. All right, it built according to the pattern. Now listen, I have this written down from the message. It says, study the design you were given on the mountain and make everything accordingly. So what I want you to see here is that as they build according to the pattern, we have what I believe is the representation of the Godhead. They're building a natural, physical structure. And this is a picture of the spiritual reality that we now enjoy in Christ. The Father is the architect. He gave us the design. The Son is the general contractor. He showed up on the planet, on the job site to carry it out. But the Holy Spirit is the foreman on the job site telling all the crews what to do. So the architect is the Father. The general contractor is the Son. The foreman is the Holy Spirit who's basically calling the shots and saying, no, you're going to have to redo that. You're going to have to go through that lesson again. You're going to go through the mountain again because that foundation is not laid right in your life yet. Come on, somebody, do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. How many of you know you better have the Lord involved in your building project? You need the Lord building up your life. You need the Lord building your business and building your marriage and building your children. Come on, if you get God up in the middle of it, I promise you, 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 you will raise some champions. Not without some problems. Everybody, every marriage has got some problems. Every business gets a hitch and it's get along once in a while. Every, every child goes through a little bit of a, a rebel, rebellious situation that you have to learn how to speak to. How many you know God loved you enough when you were in your mess? You better love your children enough when they're in theirs. Let me just make it even more plain. We're not just talking about plans for a natural building. We know it now as a spiritual fulfillment in the body of Christ. But this is also about the specifics of your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a favorite verse for a lot of folks, and it's a good one to memorize. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Everybody say plans. Everybody say amazing plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. 
King James says, to give you an expected end. I love the newer translations. Expected end doesn't sound as wonderful as a future and a hope. And to the old English, they understood that. There's an expectation, like a woman who's expecting a baby. There's a future. There's an expectation. And the end result, the expected end, is that hope that's coming. The, The fact is, we would ask the question, why was God building in the first place? And the answer is, is to dwell among them. God didn't just want to visit, but God wanted to inhabit Now, let me just say this. This is more than a visit that we're talking about. I was on the phone with a friend of mine this week who has been a long-time friend since the first grade, and he was talking about the fact that his elderly mother was like 82. She's not quite in the nursing home, but she's in an an elderly assisted living facility, and her cousin was coming from from Florida, and, and, and I'll just test Preston. He was telling me that the cousin is a very, very particular eater, and when she comes, she comes with all of the demands. Now, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but she's a vegan, okay? And so everything has got to be just so in terms of how she gets her protein. And he says, I got to go do all this shopping. (laughs) And you know what? He says, when then she leaves, then I'm going to throw all this mess away because I don't eat that stuff. Uh, and, And so he was talking about how when this cousin visits, he was having to make special uh, preparation for. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of how God is because God is particular. He won't just dwell among any kind of set of circumstances. He won't just show up and hang out in your mess, you know, with your dirty underwear on the floor and the the dishes piled up in the sink from two weeks and and you keep running hot water in them saying you're going to soak them, you know, so then you wash them later, you know. Come on, am I helping anybody in the room this morning? And God is particular. As a matter of fact, when God shows up, he's all about taking chaos and making it into order. That's all about what my life is about right now. I'm casting the hoarding spirit out of my garage. Because God says, I, I want to dwell in your whole house, Michael. I, I want to I bless with my presence in the whole place. And I'm not going to dwell in that mess out there. And so I'm throwing away and I'm, I'm going through and I'm getting an order. Come on. How many of you know it's an amazing thing when people come to God uh, and, and their life is just the biggest mess in disarray and Jesus becomes Lord of their lives? It's a beautiful thing to watch over the next course of several months how things just start to get in line in the lives of those people who truly have met Jesus. Come on. Put your hands together. Religion just wants a visit. But relationship is about abiding. It's about habitation. It's about God moving in to dwell among a people. Mark Twain said it this way. He said, the two greatest days in a man's life are the day he's born and the day he finds out why. And I believe that's true. Two greatest days in your life. Let's don't be gender exclusive here. This is not just for men. It's for people. The greatest day in a, in, two greatest days in a person's life are the day she... Finds she's born, she's born, and the day she finds out why. So we, we want everybody to know that we're including male and female, obviously, in that. There was a song we used to sing in the 80s that was written in our movement, very, very strong praise and worship movement that says, For I was born to be your dwelling place, a home for the presence of the Lord. So let my life now be separated unto thee, that I might be what I was born to be. How many of you could say that's your prayer this morning? I know I was born for a reason, and, and I want God to show me 
Now, second point this morning I want to bring quickly is that in order to see this building built so that it's built right and it's built to serve, we have to have the right kind of leadership. Now, on the way to delivering the building plans, Moses stayed a little bit too long on the mountain. And sometimes when leadership carries on a little bit longer than the patience of the people will allow, sometimes the the people rise up. The people... I'm going to go real southern on you. Sometimes the people rise up in impatience and they they do crazy things. They took off all their jewelry, gave it to Aaron, and Moses comes down off of the mountain. Joshua, the young leader, says, I hear the sound of war in the camp. And he had an undiscerning yet untrained ear. And Moses said, no, young, young apprentice, young man, young Joshua, great servant, young champion of the Lord, you're hearing something. It's great that you can hear it, but what you've heard is not what you thought you heard. It's not the sound of war. It's the sound of a big party going on. And they made the golden calf. And Aaron, it's, it's a hilarious story in Exodus 32 where Moses comes down and he finds them bowing down and sacrificing and they're dancing around the golden calf that they'd all taken off jewelry and thrown into the fire. And, and, and Moses, I'm sorry, Aaron had, had, had made it. He'd, he had, as an artificer, he had shaped it into this calf and said, behold your gods that brought you out of Egypt. And Moses comes down from meeting with God himself and he sees this awful mess going on, carrying the two tablets of the law of God written on the stone that God had carved with his own finger. And Moses throws the tablets down and breaks them. And he takes the golden calf and he he breaks it and he crushes it and he grinds it down into powder and he throws it on the water and he makes the people drink it. Now I don't know if you know anything about this, but gold is a purgative. Now how many of you know what happens to your digestive system when you take a purgative? Everybody say purge. God made them drink what they were worshiping. And God's going to get a purge out of us. Come on, come on, somebody. That's that's as far as I'm going to go with the the description of what I'm trying to tell you happened here. On the way to giving them the plans of the place that God wanted to build, they show out because they're impatient. And Moses brings a little bit of the judgment of God in terms of discipline. Not not eternal punishment, but discipline to correct. Discipline that is therapeutic. Once you're in the covenant, God's discipline for you is not punitive, it's therapeutic. He wants to straighten us out. He wants to teach us. Come on, I'm preaching real good this morning. And and, and so at this point, God basically says, you know what, I'm not going to go with you, I'm going to send an angel. I'm not going to go with you because you're a rebellious, stiff-necked people. And Moses laid out before God in Exodus 33, and he says, Oh, God! He said, No, there's no way possible. We, 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 we can't do this. And look at the scripture here in Exodus 33, 15 and 16. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us. Now look at this. Read it out loud, everybody. For your what? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. My God, help us when we settle for dead religion, when folks show up at a place and fill a room and everybody shows up except for God. 
If His presence is not here in this place, this is the reason I unashamedly tell you Victory Church is presence-centered. It is about the presence of God. We are kingdom-focused. We are gospel-driven. We are grace-based in our relationships, but we are presence-centered. And basically Moses got up and interceded and cried out and said, nope, don't go, no, we ain't going, I ain't going, just forget it. Don't send some kind of third-rank angel down here. You told us you were going to live among us. Unless you're going, I ain't going nowhere, God. And you know what? When you get that same kind of determination in your life, when you say, Lord, if you don't go with me, I can't go because it's your presence that makes all the difference. If, if God's presence is on your home, it'll be different. And broken teenagers will come and show up at your place. Come on, I've had more testimonies of kids that grew up in the house with my children and said, you know, I came from a broken home. One young man stood up at the memorial service for my sweet dawn. And he said, you know what, I didn't even, I had halfway had a family. And he said, I would get in that blue van and Miss Dawn would drive me and Drew. The young man said he would drive me and Drew to baseball practice. And he said, that was my family through those years. And when, when there's something whole about your home and about your family, God will attract folk that are broken to it so they can get a little taste of what it means for the presence of God to be in your life. Well, I'm preaching better than you're acting this morning. Hallelujah. I don't have time to dig into character and charisma. I've got I've to make some cuts here. We're editing. Point number three, moving on. This is really the, the main piece. It's really the main piece, and I want to say it and get it said. It's like a custom-made engagement ring where you gather diamonds from maybe a grandmother and a, and a mom, and the gemologist, the jeweler, makes the whole setting, and he'll, he'll labor for hours until finally he sets that center stone in the place. And so I want to say to you this morning, I've labored for about 25 minutes this, I've set the setting up. This right here, this point is the stone. This is the center stone right here. What I've brought you to this moment, working to get the setting right so that we could put the diamond in its centerpiece. Point number three, it's just, it's just basically says, what a building crew. This is amazing how, how, how God had an amazing set of plans and he had the right leadership that were present, centered, and focused. Because remember our one thing, God is a builder and he's building a house for himself. And look at your neighbor and say, and that house is you. Remember, that's our one thing. God is a builder, and he's building a house for himself, and that house is you. What a building crew. Revelation 5, 9. Look at this. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break open its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from what? Read it, those last few words. Every tribe and language and people in nation. Everybody say diversity. One of the values of Victory Church is to embrace diversity. It's not just to be a, quote, white church, uh, but it's to be a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multiracial expression uh, of the body of Christ. And the delta is multiracial and multicultural. And if we're going to be effective to be able to reach the delta, we should have a representation of the delta sitting in our congregation. Put your hands together. I hope you like that. If you don't, I forgive you. And we just want to recommend some other churches to you that are not pursuing that. But that's who we are. And, and, and that, that's never going to change. That's a focus 
That is, that is what God has set us here to do, unity and diversity. Now, I, I, I have to take a minute, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read a good portion, and I'm going to comment, so I want to make um, as much of this as I quickly can because I don't like to read extensive passages, but there's the, the best way to do this is just to get it read. Um, I'm not going to do 7-9, so you can go ahead and put that down. Listen to uh, Exodus, the... 35th chapter, Exodus 35 and verse 4. It says, Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering. Everybody say sacred offering. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts. Everybody say generous hearts. All the other words in the other translations use the word willing. You might not describe yourself as generous. But you know what? I want to I want to really say this. God's looking if, to see whether or not you're willing. Can you make an offering to Him? Next Sunday is our miracle offering, and and we don't we don't ever do anything with pressure, but we just ask you to pray. So that's all Moses did. Look at what happened here. He says, "Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord: gold, silver, bronze." And I'm not going to outline all this stuff. Blue and purple in verse 7, tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, verse 8, olive oil for the lamps, verse 9, onyx stones and all those that are listed, verse 10. He says, come all of you who are gifted craftsmen. Construct everything that the Lord has commanded. Everybody say, build it according to pattern. He talks about the tabernacle and there are seven pieces of furniture in it. So I'm going to skip over all these next seven or eight verses. Verse 12 is the ark. 13 is the table for the bread of his presence. Verse 14 is the lampstand. 15 is the incense altar. I'm leaving out all this stuff. Verse 16 is the altar for burnt offering out there in the outer court. The wash basin. Number 17 is the curtains in the courtyard. 18, the tent pegs. 19, the beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear while ministering in the holy place. Verse 20, here it is. Listen. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. Now, we're going to say amen to this service here in a minute, and y'all going to go eat lunch, and you're going to go home to your tent. Now, how many of you thankful that's not literal? You're going to go home to your house, okay? So where you live. So this is what happened. They, they heard the commandment of the Lord. They knew that God was the designer, and he said over and over, build it according to the pattern, and this is what we need, all this stuff, bring this stuff, and everybody who has a skill, I want your time and your talent and your treasure. I want you, I want your hearts, your willing hearts, your generous hearts. Now look at verse 21. What happened to them is what will happen to everyone whose heart is toward the Lord in this church. Verse 21, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed. I love it. For the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Verse 22, both men and women came. Everybody say, all of us. Both men and women came. All whose hearts were willing. See, they keep saying it. All whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord the offerings of gold, and it just lays all this stuff out. They presented them. 23, all those who owned the following items willingly brought them. Now, I'm just jumping down because I have these words emboldened through the text. 
silver and bronze. Verse 25, all the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning. Listen, everybody say, say talent, say skill. They prepared blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were, everybody say willing, all the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. Aunt Pat, Carol, Nita, I need y'all to go home this week and I want a whole basket of goat hair spun into yarn. Can you do it? Now, how many of you thankful that that's not for you today? Aunt Pat would go, Shh, let's go to Walmart. I think it's on aisle three. That's where the freshly spun goat hair yarn is. <laughs> or, or go to Yarniverse over there in Memphis. I don't even know why I know that exists. I just saw it the other day when I was driving by. All the women who were willing to use their skills. Verse 17, the leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones. So the leaders were, were obviously blessed, had some, some things of value. So leaders don't get a pass just because you're calling the shots. We're called to give sacrificially as well. All right, verse 20. Are you getting anything out of this? Verse 29. So the people of Israel, everybody say every man and woman. Every man and woman who was eager, say eager, eager to help in the work of the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. Then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, Grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah, the Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all the kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled. Everybody say skills. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones, and the Lord has given both him and Aholiab the ability to teach their skills to others. Now, y'all stay with me now. Because this is why we're leadership here attempting to equip more leaders in this church. Chris Wilson, beautiful job leading our equip arm of ministry. Because one of our uh, specific values is to equip Christ followers to lead in every area of life. And so we believe the Lord has given us the ability to be able to teach others. So we want to use our skills so that we can transfer and multiply the skills among the people of God. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, Exodus 36, 1 through 7. I want this section put up. And I want you to see this. And then I'm almost finished. Are you getting anything out of this? Here we go. So the Lord has gifted Bezalel, his assistant, designer, Aholiab, okay, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. So God calls the people, saves them by His blood, baptizes them in the, in the river, in the Red Sea, brings them into the wilderness and reveals His law and He says, I want to dwell among you and this is the house I want to live in. And guess what? Everything you already need to build it is among you and all the skill and talent is already among you. And what I'm telling you is I've already gifted, I've blessed, I've invested, I've poured out my anointing. There ever, somebody in the room, everybody in the room has something you can do to be able to be involved in the building, the sanctuary that I'm going to show up, not just come for a visit, but I'm going to inhabit with my presence. My, 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 my. I sure wish we could record this and I could just play it for the second service because I don't know that I can do as good a job as I'm I'm doing a real good job. <laughs> Verse 2, let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord commanded, built according to the pattern 
Verse 2, so Moses summoned Bezalel and Holiab and all the others who were special. Say it, read it with me. Specially gifted by the Lord and they were what? See, let me tell you something. You may have a gift, but if you're not willing to share it and you're not eager to do the work, I can't use you. And let me just tell you this. Talent is a dime a dozen and work will always beat talent when talent's not willing to work. Don't shout me down now. You may have some gifts, but I want to know, are you eager to use them for the kingdom of God? Verse 3. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. Look at this. I love it. I love it. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. God, let this come to pass in the life of victory. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary got up and left their work, and look what they did. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given, everybody say, more than enough. More than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if I could stand up before we got this building built and I could tell you people don't give anymore. We've already had $3 million given. Oh, that's, that, everybody's not clapping now. <laughs> it's like the preacher that says, you know, we have everything that we've met the budget. And he says, the only problem is that finances are still in your pockets. <laughs> Do you still love me? I can live without it if you don't, but I would like for you to love me. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions, read it with me, were more than enough to complete the whole project. What am I saying? If you can catch a vision, come on. The widow who had a might to give, Jesus stopped the whole offering. I guarantee you there were a couple of Pharisees who walked by and dropped in a $5,000 check. Jesus never even paid attention. But the, when the little widow showed up and she gave her a little one copper penny, he said, hang on, boys. Hang on, boys. I, I want you all to see this. He stopped the offering for the woman who was willing to share what she had. Oh, man, this is good. Time, talent, treasure. God wants your heart. If he has your heart, you'll be eager to share your time. You'll be willing to give your gift, eager to work for the Lord. And you'll be more than willing to take what God's blessed you with and know that when you invested in the kingdom, he's going to multiply it back and pour out more than you don't even have room enough to receive. My, 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 my. Mm, mm, I, I preach the rest of this in tongues. Hallelujah. Chapter 4, here we go, point 4, and I'm finished. Last one, and this is real quick. Everybody say, finished and filled. One of the most beautiful scriptures as you read through the book of Exodus is this last little passage right here. I got to get a drink. I love this. Verse 33 of Exodus 40. Read it out loud with me. So at last Moses finished the work. There is nothing so wonderful as finishing a project and stepping back and looking at it, carrying it through to completion, trusting God to see the provision for it to be made, breaking off the old. 
I've been doing some renovation. Dawn and I had planned to renovate our kitchen, and if she were alive, I would have done a much more extensive, you know, ripping out cabinets and basically just reconfiguring and jacking up the floor and all that kind of stuff. But it's just me, and so I just basically, Michael Rushing came in, did a beautiful job with his contractors and just painted the cabinets for me and gave me a new countertop. Just a simple little, just a simple little redo, but honest to goodness, just that, just tear up. They were in there the other day and painted some stuff, and they had sanded it off. And I'd just gotten floors cleaned and, and vacuumed and mopped, and they left, and my cabinets are gorgeous, but there's this little fine white dust all over the place. So I cleaned it up again. I'm not fussing, Michael. You guys are amazing. If you need somebody, they, they have a great company. I'm serious. And, and, and Caesar got in there, and he cleaned up everything, that's for sure. But, you know, when you, when you sand something, it's going to be all over the house. So um, God is in the middle of a renovation project, and it's you. And, and you need to just put up a sign and just tell everybody, hey, don't, you know, please pardon the mess. I was walking through Macy's, and they say, pardon our mess. We're, we, we are doing this to, uh, uh, how, was, how do they word it, in order to uh, expand your shopping experience. <laughs> and when folk get a little upset because your life is a little dusty, you just need to say, hey, baby, I'm under construction. God's doing a work. Come on. <laughs> And the beautiful thing is, is that there comes a time when you actually finish the project and you can sit back and it's clean. Oh my goodness, it's just fresh and you've, you're excited about it. You know what? God didn't just build a house and not move in. Look what happens. So at last Moses finished the work. Read this out loud with me, everybody. Come on. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled. Really, that's the center stone right there. Everything I've built to this point in the setting, that's the diamond right there. They finished the work and God showed up and filled the house. That's the whole purpose. is for God to work in your life and fill you with His presence. Now some folk some folk just want a religious visit. They just want to show up, not even once a week on Sunday. Just, they'll just show up for Christmas and Easter and just, just pay God a visit, kind of like we used to do my grandparents. We drive to Mark Tree, and Jake and Ella Blake lived at 138 Pecan, and Granny would cook a, a, a cast iron skillet of chicken thighs. Mm. I, I have never in my life tasted a chicken thigh a fried chicken thigh like my granny could cook, and she would buy extra because she knew Mike was coming. Now, I was, I was big when I was little. <laughs> I love to eat. Help me, Lord. Um, but I, I came to a point in my life where I didn't want to make the every Sunday visit. I was a teenager, and I had things to do. And my mother, bless her heart, you know, she would go, well, now, you know, Granny and Granddad will sure miss you. And she would try to guilt me into going. <laughs> I, yeah, I've done it, my parent. I've done it with my own kids. And I just got to where I wouldn't make every trip. I, I just, it was inconvenient for me. I was a snotty, rebellious teenager. And then I grew a little bit older, and I realized how I loved my grandparents, and I started going because I not just was obligated to go because I wanted to see them. And it, Granny was too old to cook at that point. 
and I would go visit and we would still have we would still have prayer meetings we'd stand up together and join hands in that little old house it was just a little little three room house they, they were just poor people but they were so rich in the anointing and the presence of God and my little granddaddy, Jake Blake, when he, when he would say hallelujah, and it wasn't hallelujah, it was hallelujah, you would think he and Medea were cousins. <laughs> Some of you got that over there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Somebody says, man, he's going to cry about something every Sunday. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just where I am right now. I'm so thankful that I spent those moments and the presence of God marked my life. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say something to you right now. That's the reason I'm, 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 I know that my kids are going to be okay. They're, Drew's 29, Abby's 22, and they're, they're, they're growing and they're going places and they're seeing things. And they may, not, they may try some things that I don't approve of. But you know what? I know they've been marked by the presence of God. You, get your, you have a home where Christ is the center of it. You have a home where you honor Jesus and you say the name of Jesus and you set those kids down and you say, no, we're going to honor God and we're going to thank Him for this food we're about to eat. <laughs> and you do that enough times and you mark them with your love for the Lord and I promise you they'll never get away from it. Come on, somebody. The whole purpose, the whole purpose, and I'm, I'm over, it's 10, 15, I'm sorry. I, they say, don't, don't draw attention to where you are in your time. And I just did. Well, it's the Lord's church. Y'all are gracious. Y'all are, It's our church. Y'all are gracious sitting here. So I hope you've gotten something out of this this morning. When they finished it, God filled it. And that's my heart. I, I want to go in. I've been building people for 28 years. I don't want to get out there and have a structure and it be nice. And we all show up and the Lord not be there. I want, his, I want the cloud of God to come the way it does in this room. His presence, His Holy Spirit. Some of you are in struggles right now. Don't have answers. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 18, this has been, this has been real to me this week because I was cleaning out the garage and I was finding stuff and it's just very emotional. Just going through and seeing stuff and storing it in a, at a better place and throwing some stuff away and taking some stuff to the mission and it just really erupted all these emotions and, and I thought of the fourth verse of great is thy faithfulness it says pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. So I'm in the garage going through stuff and crying and singing an old hymn. And I remember the Apostle Paul said in Romans 18, I started quoting Romans 8, and it says, I reckon, you know, we don't talk that way anymore. That's when my granddad talked. He was, I think Paul was from South Tarsus. I reckon. Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worth being compared to the glory which is going to be revealed in us. God's building a house and he's going to show up in, the, in his fullness of his presence. Every head bowed, every eye closed.